Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Daily Energy Newsbeat Stand-Up here on this gorgeous Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. As always, I'm your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com, Stuart Turley. My man, how we doing today? Yes, beautiful day in the neighborhood, and we got 1031 exchanges going on around here. Yeah, you do. We're swapping real estate for oil and gas. It's a good day today, man. It is. You got to love it. Yeah. And we also have a excellent show lined up for you guys. Um, Some of the top stories that we'll be covering today. Uh, First one, EU's LNG imports from Russia see highest levels in three years. Stu will break down what that means in the LNG markets. Next, environmentalists sue to stop Gulf of Mexico oil and gas auction in something that Everybody saw coming. It'll be interesting to see now where prices are at, whether or not they, they the oil and gas companies just give into this or not. But Stu will cover on what that means for the U.S. shale markets. Also, will Russia sanctions dethrone, quote, king dollar? A currency question, which is pretty interesting based upon what we thought was going to happen with shutting Russia off from SWIFT and what is unfortunately rolled out, which their dollar, their Russian currency has actually held value fairly well due to moving to the gold standard. So Stu will cover on how the Russian currency is doing next. We have Biden's here's Oval Office plea for Alaska oil project in lobbying frenzy. Um, Stu is very familiar um, with the North Slope. I know he has a personal connection uh, to that area. So Stu will cover what's going on in the Alaskan oil. You don't hear much about that. So I'm excited to, to hear some updates there. And then finally, Oxy CEO Vicky Holub doesn't seem worried about White House pressure on buybacks for oil prices. That's considering she was uh, leading the best S&P 500 company last year. So she's riding high. Um, she has an interview with CNBC here at Sarah Week. Stu will cover all things Oxy. He'll kick it over to me. I'll keep it very brief covering what happened in the oil markets today. We traded down over from over $80 to begin with in the market uh, trading session to now currently um, $77.19, really due to some, some interesting numbers. The API just dropped their forecast. As you guys listen to this on Wednesday, you should be expecting the crude oil inventories. I'll cover all things that. And on the natural gas side, not as spicy, but I'll cover that and a bag of chips, guys. But first, again, check us out. World's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com. Check out the description below. All the links that we are uh, to the articles that we're about to talk about are via that website, dashboard.energynewsbeat.com. It's our combo data news in one. We are hard at work at V2. Check us out again, www.energynewsbeat.com. I'm out of breath though, Stu. Where do you want to begin? Hey, let's start with a first story here. You can't, you always got to love a good EU's LNG imports from Russia sees highest levels in three years. Michael, the the whole thing about Russia and its importing from uh, natural gas or LNG is really confusing. And if you take a look at LNG, a lot of the LNG, I did not know this, but you can import LNG from the UK, from Britain, and hustle it across the channel. 
I was like, all right, what does mm. that got to do with anything? What it does do is that natural gas and LNG is still being bought by the EU and the UK from Russia. Let's go through some of these numbers. The Mm. EU has not imposed full sanctions on Russian gas. So about 8% of EU gas imports still come from Russia. They're down 80%, but they still are getting 8%. But they're not counting that LNG portion of it. So. It's kind of, they think they've done bad things. The other article we talk about is Russia's going to have the last laugh. They will. I mean, I think this is a pretty, I, this is an eye-opening, uh, about halfway down the article, it says this is a reduction of 50% from it's a peak, peak of 1.3 billion per day in March of 2022. Right. Woo, woo. In February, Russia earned 280 million per day from crude oil, 120 million from oil products, 60 million from pipeline gas, and 60 million from coal, and 40 million from LNG. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. That's a good mix right there, folks. That's a good uh, mix. It is. And now EU's LNG imports from Russia in 2022 is up 35% compared to 2021. So it's kind of like the old shell in the nut game. Somebody's trying to hide a shell from a nut in the nut game. So I think we found a nut. Yeah. Yeah. And that's me. Okay. Let's go to the next one here. (laughs) Environmentalists sue to stop Gulf of Mexico and gas auction. Okay. The lawsuit filed by Earth Justice, the Sierra Club, and other environmental groups in federal court seeks to stop the U.S. Interior Department from offering up drilling rights in 73.3 million acres in the oil-rich region later this month. It would be the first lease in the Gulf since 2021 and would supply a satisfy a provision in the Inflation Reduction Act. But this lawsuit's trying to hold that up. Yeah. I think it's interesting that as part of the Reflation Reduction Act, there have to be federal lease um, auctions in the Gulf of Mexico by March 31st. It's hilarious. So the Borgulis bill does at least help offshore drilling. So we have to, we can give credit where credit is due, Stu. Now, obviously these environmental groups trying to block it, I'll be interested to see if this actually works. Clearly there's probably no standing to these lawsuits. They'll probably get tossed. But they can at least make the press release, see what happens. I doubt this does anything. And I mean, we're going to see these acreage. The real question is, is anybody going to bid on these assets? I, I think the real the, the, the second order thinking here is not, ooh, they're going to have a sale. It's, ooh, will anybody bid on them? And I, probably not. You might have one or two bids, but it's not going to be anything like the magnitude of it was maybe 10, 15 years ago. This would be one that if you bid on, you might get it. So be careful what you bid. So no, that would, I don't know that I'd even- I know a few companies that probably want to bid on it. Uh, There you go. All right, let's go to the next one. Russia, 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 Russia. Okay, it is. Will Russia sanctions dethrone King Dollar? Michael, we've been talking about this for a little while, and the sanctions have actually done more harm to the U.S. dollar than they have anything else that we've tried to do to Russia. The dollar is trading at 105 today, I believe, is the dollar. But U.S. has weaponized the dollar through its sanctions in China and everything else. Let's go through some of these numbers here. Alicia Garz. 
we are clearly moving towards a more multilateral world as shown by the falling shares of the U.S. dollar in Forex reserves. In the past year, the incentives for countries to turbocharge that shift away from the dollar have only increased. So once out of SWIFT, you lose the ability to transact across borders easily. So China's uh, the one is absolutely great for trading oil between countries that want to trade oil in China. But that's not what makes the dollar flexible. The dollar is flexible across almost anything. However, it's losing that elasticity across markets. So you're about to see a big runway away from the dollar. Okay. So I think there's a, there's a lot we got to unpack here. First off, I do find it hilarious that you're quoting as the, an expert. You're quoting to support your idea, somebody who's a senior fellow at a Brussels-based think tank. Yeah. You you align with somebody you align with the Brussels based think tank. So just put that in perspective. You're using a Brussels bank think tank as your supporting arc. Well, your first supporting arc, which is fine. I'm with you. I do agree that the dollar is weak no. at this point relative to other currencies. I think to say that the Russian sanctions, what they have shown specifically is how the gold standard is probably something people need to look at more closely. I think the dollar has gone beyond the fact where you can't rein it in and the day really support us there. So there's you're right. I see a little bit of what you're saying that the financialization of the dollar, which is weird to say because the dollar is a, the most you know medium of exchange, but the financialization of what the Fed has done with the dollar has moved it beyond the point where we could tie it back to gold. But what Russia, sank, the sanctions of the Russia have shown, in my opinion, more so that the dollar is crumbling, which may or may not be true, more so that countries should move to the gold standard in order to stabilize their currencies. I think this opens up huge opportunity for countries that have wildly inflated and, and their currency goes all the way to Turkey, for example, you know, countries that have the ability to go out and maybe get their hands on a little bit of gold to stabilize them because that's what's happened. The Russian currency has not dropped to the point where we thought it would based on these sanctions. It's because they had huge gold reserves. Now, obviously, it's because they also had physical commodities. So that also goes to tell you the thing, holding hard assets is always good. So whether or not it's gold or physical assets, you can get away with it. So if you're a country that has no assets or no like coal or oil or gas, what are you going to do? You got to buy gold. So I think it's interesting. I do love it when Stu agrees with the think tank out of Brussels. So that just brings well, pleasure to my mind. It- That's okay, because that think tank in Brussels is also looking at the overall weaponization of the Biden administration and what they've done horribly to the incomplete infrastructure of the dollar. So they are forcing the dollar into the tank. You guys think bear country is somewhere in the woods up in Oklahoma? You're wrong. It's Brussels. Stu's actually in a little flat in Brussels right now. He goes, hangs out at the World Bank all day. Him and Klaus Schwab share an office. No, that rat son of a mother. <laughs> yeah. It's a joke, obviously. What's next? There's a freaking thing. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Biden hears Oval Office plea for Alaskan oil project and lobbying frenzy. Okay, the North Slope. When you take a look at the Willow Project, it is a... $8 billion project is forecasted to yield 180,000 barrels of crude per day, about 1.6% of the current U.S. production. That's a lot. 
And and here's the problem. Uh, the president has all the information. Uh, he needs to make the right decision for Alaska. That's if he can find his ice cream cone. Willow Project admin, ad, alternative without delay. I'm sorry. The man can't even go to the bathroom by himself. Environmentalist advocates and lawmakers have been outlying options. This is horrific from the standpoint. It's not he's not going to sign it. And I can guarantee you right now it's it's dead meat. And this is despicable because the Alaska pipeline is operating, I believe it's only at four or five percent, 10 percent, whatever the number is. It is absolutely pathetic that this thing could dump into the Alaska pipeline and bring it right on out of, of Alaska. And that is oil we would not need to import. And we would it's easy money right there from that. And then. I'm going to call him our beloved Chowderhead is not going to be able to even make up his mind on this one. He won't sign it. There's no way. Um, first off, you have a, a close relationship with the North Slope. What is it? Your 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 great great grandfather twice removed discovered it. What's what's the no. uh, you you told me this multiple times. My granddad is uh, credited with uh, being one of the key discovering persons of the uh, North Slope. He was one of the he was the chief geologist for Sinclair. And when Sinclair, uh, he told Sinclair that they had to buy all the rights that they could up there. They said no. And he said, you're going to go out of business. And sure enough, they went out of business and Exxon bought all the rights and the rest is history. When I think of Sinclair, I think of a sketchy gas station in which there's usually a drug deal going on. And that's what Sinclair, they could have, they could have owned the North Slope. And now three high schoolers are exchanging a quarter gram of weed in the parking lot at 2 a.m. Yeah, but that big, I got pictures of me and that great big green dinosaur. (laughs) What a time. What's next, Stu? Okay, let's get through with that one. Let's go to my favorite Oxy CEO, Vicki Holub, does not doesn't seem to be worried about White House pressures on buybacks and oil prices. I love, uh, you know, I absolutely think the world of Vicky. She uh, we talked about this yesterday. She took the uh, holistic approach of, hey, I'm going to be an oil person, but I'm going to tap into the carbon capture game, which is a multi-trillion dollar market. And she was the top player in the fortune in the S&P 500 last year. That's not bad. You're the top. No, You're the no, top. Not at all. Dollar. Not at all. I think it's. And, and I think another interesting thing to point out is the fact that Oxy, they took a different approach to the ESG game, whereas the super majors, and you could consider Oxy a super major or not, they're not necessarily, they don't, they're not necessarily fully integrated downstream, but I mean, they do have OxyChem, you know, they do have a, a little bit of a midstream interest. So they do a little bit. They, unlike their peers, BP and Equinor, and Total, instead of investing in wind and solar projects, they went to what you said, the carbon capture market, much more contiguous or analogous with the oil and gas business than is trying to build offshore wind farms, which is a whole new business. Like it's literally relearning how to do everything. So it's really smart. There's a reason they were the number one performing stock both in the S&P and just in oil and gas for that reason. And I think they were the best performing oil and gas stock because they have really good rock. They have really good acreage in West Texas. They have really good Colorado acreage, very close with the Colorado team up there. They have very good returns on that. I know it's been uh, lightly marketed a few times and they haven't come close to seeing anything in which would come a decent offer for that acreage. I mean, it's a very healthy cut to their bottom line. 
but then also the why they've been number one. That's why they've been number one in the oil and gas space in terms of returns. In the overall markets, obviously oil and gas has done really well, but you add on top of that investors see them as both green, quote unquote, and having actual sound fundamentals with oil. So I think it's great. There's a reason Warren Buffett invested in them. He's made a boatload off this. Good for him. And they had 12% 12 production growth last year, Michael. That's even with giving their money back uh, and everything else. So if you take a 12% production growth with a lower uh, CapEx, holy smokes. That's they're drilling. They're drilling four mile laterals up in Colorado. Wow. That's talent. That's talent right there. All right. Hey, well, that's it for me, man. All right. Well, finance wise, I mean, (laughs) unfortunately, it was a little um, ominous today. We had a chair, uh, Fed chair Jerome Powell speaking in front of Congress today. I got to watch some of that. And uh, the sentiment out of that was, where's the quote? Let me pull the quote up here. The quote specifically, now it just says, Powell told Congress that the Fed would likely need to increase rates more than expected in light of recent strong economic data, which um, clearly led markets and the dollar to drop, which in turn led commodities to drop. We saw the S&P 500 drop about 1.5 percentage points, NASDAQ down 1.2 percentage points. And as I mentioned, crude oil tumbled from about $81 all the way down to its current resting spot here at about 638 uh, here on March 7th at about 77.24. So obviously the market reacting specifically to that news with a 50 basis point hike expected. The odds have now, it's basically a, 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 a 50% odds of a, of a rate increase of 50% or 50 basis points versus 25. So uh, the futures markets are pointing towards that very strongly, I think. On the you know on the supply side, we did see the API um, this evening. As you guys listen to this, so it'll be the night before. Uh, dropped a minus a, their guesstimate of the EIA crude oil stock reserves, which you guys will learn today. A three point eight three million barrel draw versus a forecasted basically three hundred thousand barrel draw. So that's actually really good. You know, I mean. From the standpoint of we've been seeing a lot of big builds to see a little bit of a draw where it's expected fairly flat, but we will see the EIA confirming that as you guys. So 10 a.m., wherever you guys listen to this, if it's past 10 a.m., go look EIA.gov, check out their petroleum status report, or check out dashboard.energynewsbeat.com um, for the latest updates. We pipe their API right into the dashboard so you get, boom, the moment it's updated, you see it, folks. Frictionless. That's the goal for the app, frictionless. Natural gas side, things again are still unwinding from the cold weather that's really turning into a little bit of a warmer streak that's rolling through. Cash markets currently trading about $2.64. You know, there is some LNG exports happening, but right now uh, the weather is continuing to point to a more bullish draw as things balance out. There was an interesting quote in our in one of my favorite articles that I read every single day, which is over at NatGas Intel, the only time I'll endorse another website other than ours. Give it up for NatGas Intel. Um, they quote Mopus Risk Group said there was a most consistent theme for the North American natural gas market this winter has been the quote broken promise of colder temperatures and thus slash expectations for heating demand, which includes the latest estimates, um, including a whopping 60 BCF of demand erased from market expectations, which quote understandably puts NYMEC prices decisively on the defense, according to Mobis. I know actually I had a couple guys that I was uh, in, in some classes with back in college who now work at Mobis. They do good work over there. So yeah, you're, you're, you're talking about colder weather slashing demand. 
Well, and that's, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. Spike's going to fall over and kill me. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's really, really what's been holding natural gas prices down. I, I think that $3 mark is kind of the cap. It'll be interesting to see again how it all plays out. But as we move into the summer, I would be bearish versus bullish. What do you got, Stu? What do we miss? What's going on? Oh, I don't know. It'll be a beautiful day tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully. Well, we won't keep you guys then. We'll let you get out of here, get back to work. Um, We hope it's a great day. We appreciate you taking time out to uh, check us out. For Stuart Turley, I'm Michael Tanner. Folks, we'll see you tomorrow. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.